Hi, I am Tam. Thank you for joining me on the Sincerely Her podcast. The Sincerely Her podcast serves up bite-sized motivation Monday through Friday, two minutes at a time. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Usually, I bring you a bite-sized motivational note, but today, I'm going to do something different. I am sharing my first story. And no, not my story. Yes, I am sharing my first interview. Finally, if you are a creative, an entrepreneur, a business owner trying to overcome any obstacles, need a boost of self-confidence or an extra bit of motivation, this is the podcast for you. You are listening to the Sincerely Her podcast. This isn't an ordinary podcast. This is a podcast that will help you find clarity and win. Like most creatives, Gabby Pasqua's journey is more comparable to a jigsaw puzzle than driving in a straight line on a one-lane road. Motivated by a sink-or-swim attitude, she overcame several obstacles to become an Emmy Award-winning makeup artist. Gabby has not only worked with recognizable celebrities from television to music, but she is also making a name for herself as an entrepreneur in the beauty industry with the launch of her brand, Suit Beauty, and that's S-U-I-T. In my first interview for the Sincerely Her podcast, I sat down with Gabby to discuss her career highlights, challenges, and aspirations. She shares her path from high school to studying fashion marketing and merchandising to the makeup school she was enrolled at, going bankrupt, and stepping into adulting. Along the way, she worked at legendary cosmetic brand Smashbox and on the award-winning TV show, The Talk. Gabby talks about the importance of mentors, what influences have affected her life, and the life-changing advice her mom shared with her. What sets Gabby apart is her determination and grit. As you'll learn from her story, life can take you down a twisted highway, but when you believe in yourself, Arriving at your destination is that much more rewarding. Her story is nothing short of intriguing and inspiring for anyone looking to find clarity, get shit done, and win. Without further ado, here is Gabby's story in her own words. Okay, Gabby, thank you so much for doing this interview today. I wanted to talk to you because you have a very intriguing story. So looking at how you're a multi-Emmy Award winner, some people may think your path was easy. But as I've learned, just kind of reading your story and talking to you, I know that things were far from easy. So today I was hoping we could discuss some of your career highlights, challenges, inspirations. Maybe you can offer some life advice. Talk about your influences as well as any other thing that you wanted to discuss. So let's start by talking about your decision to pursue a career in beauty. I know your path out of high school was to attend art school for fashion marketing and merchandising as well as attend beauty school at the same time, which is bananas. What 
motivated you to narrow down your focus and solely pursue a career as a makeup artist? Oh, man. Thank you for that intro. Really so weird to like kind of digest everything that you kind of just repeated back to me, especially because it's just it's just being able to start to share my story is something that is even kind of new to me, too. I was forced to kind of streamline my career option because I graduated high school at the peak of the recession in 2008. And my parents were heavily affected. And so my parents sat me down one afternoon and my dad just was very vulnerable and sincere and was like, sweetheart, you know, we aren't going to be able to financially support you as you go to college. He was like, every financial decision that you make from here on out is yours and solely yours. And my dad was like, I honestly don't even think that I would be accepted to co-sign anything at that point. And so like, even for loans, like my parents wouldn't be able to pull out loans for me. And so they kind of laid it out. My dad was like, how much is it a semester? How much do you want to take on debt wise? And then my mom was in my other ear, just telling me, you know, simply, if you want to do makeup on the side, you could do that as a profession. And instead of just going to makeup school, I want you to be able to invest in yourself so that you have a license so that you'll always have something that no one can take away from you. And she was just like, if you are going to pursue a career in makeup, she was like, don't just look for a job, invest in longevity. And she just talked me into turning it into like a California State Board professional, not just like I went to makeup school, not to discredit anyone that did just go to makeup school. But you know, she was like, I don't want you to just have a certificate. I want you to be licensed because I think it came from a place of if you are not going to choose to get a degree, because I think that's what they kind of saw me going into. They were like, if she goes to makeup school and if she moves to LA, that's it. Like we know that that's where she's going to be. And so my parents wanted me to be in LA, like a little bit more prepared with a little bit more of career options because getting my license was something that allowed me to do both hair and makeup and kind of say yes and no to like whatever was kind of in front of me. Like I had more options. Like I could branch into like just skincare or I could have just gone into being a hairstylist in a salon, which is kind of what I did to pay the bills when I first moved to LA. And then of course it's like makeup is encompassed, but but yeah, that's kind of a long winded of how I streamlined into beauty. It was kind of circumstantial. It was my circumstances that kind of put me into this position, but I still to this day want to go back to college, (laughs) go back to school. You have specialized knowledge and some people don't understand. I have a bachelor's of science, which is crazy in itself. And I do absolutely nothing with a degree. So I always tell people, if you're going to college, know exactly what you're spending all your money and time and years on, because there's nothing worse than getting a college degree that you're not using. Now, I wouldn't trade my college experience for anything in the world, but yeah, I could have saved a couple of dollars, you know. (laughs) Let me ask you this. You mentioned your parents and they seem like they were very supportive and more importantly, they encouraged you to pursue your dreams. Was the decision to leave art school and move from San Francisco to Los Angeles difficult? No, actually. So 
what happened was I applied for art school and I got accepted and it was like literally registration week and it was going to be the art institute in San Francisco. And I was living in Oakland and my mom was like, hey, before you go to register, let me take you to this like beauty convention in Vegas. So I went to this big beauty convention in Vegas and she made me sit through all of the seminars and she made me spend like three full days in this convention talking to people like she just like threw me in and was like open your eyes look if you were to not go to art school and just focus on your beauty career she was like you would be a part of this and literally I think those three days like is what it's what convinced me and I already wanted to move to LA I was I was telling my parents like oh I'll just go for a summer and like get certified come back but then the more I looked into it, I was like, no, but LA is the only place that you can actually be a beauty professional and build a life on top of that. Because the San Francisco Bay Area like, was very limited, not saying that you can't, but not you can't really expand as much as you can here in LA. Like, You could choose to work every single day. Like, You could work every single day as a beauty professional if you choose to. And it's not hard to find work. There's so many people here. And so, yeah, it was, it was not a hard convincing. It was, I think more of a hard convincing, like towards my ego to like tell, cause all of my friends were going to like UCLA or like going to SF state or like San Diego. And so it was just, I was the only one that chose art school or like going to beauty school. I don't really know anyone else out of my group of friends that chose a trade. So it was just more of like, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing that was like kind of halted me for a second. But other than that, I really wanted to, I wanted out of the Bay Area. And I was like, I want to try something different. I was very precocious. And I just wanted to get away from my family and prove to them that I can take care of myself. And so yeah, that was what drove me really. Well, speaking of what drives you, I know you faced some difficult moments. I remember (laughs) reading that your makeup school went bankrupt. The owner of the salon you were working at passed away, which is a terrible situation to be in. What kept you motivated to pursue your dreams no matter what? Because from what I'm sensing from you and from what I know of you, you have this no matter what attitude. And we'll we'll talk about you moving to New York a little later. But (laughs) what keeps you motivated? I think at that point, what kept me motivated was this like sink or swim. It was literally feast or famine at that point for me and a lot of pride, like a lot of pride. I come from, I'm Filipino American, second or third generation, depending on who you're talking to. (laughs) But like all of my, you know, all of my family's here. I'm definitely a California girl, true and true. But you know, I have a big Filipino family who like everybody's always talking about someone or chiming in with their opinions and their perceptions and everyone went to college. And so I'm like the oldest grandkid. And so all of my aunts and uncles were like, why isn't she going to college? Why is she moving to LA? Why is she, why is she, like, why? And my parents were like, show them. They were like, shut them up. Like, I remember getting a phone call from my dad and he was like, sweetheart. He was like, I know. He was like, you are in LA because you felt called there and you wanted to do it. And this is your dream. And I don't ever want to like hinder you from like fulfilling your like life goals or like your dreams. And he was like, if that's what you want to experience, he was like, shut the family up. He was like, put your head down, show up and work. And he was like, give it all you got. Because he was like, 
literally the only thing you have to lose is time and you can always come back home. That was like a big thing. He was like, you can always come back home, but this is the time to just like double down and like give it your best shot. He was like, because what do you have to lose at this point? I knew no one in LA and I was like, I had no money. Like I was barely like supporting myself. I was like couch surfing. (laughs) I was just moving every other month. Like it was a mess. And it was like all the adversity that I felt like I had, I was challenged with within the first six months of me being here really got me to this place of like feeling really empty. And I was just like, I'm going to like stop trying to take control over my life or make it fit in the way that I think that it's supposed to fit. And it was a lot of talking to the ceiling, being like, God, if you're out there, like if I'm supposed to be in LA, like I'm open to the idea of it, but like I need a sign, like I need to know. And so it was a series of events after all of the hardships in the first six months that kind of gave me a little bit of hope. But I just honestly just doubled down and showed up and like work like wherever I could. I gave it my best shot. I want to say I love your dad because your dad <laughs> gave you the same advice my mother gave me. And we're Aww. both only child. So I don't yeah. know if there's something into this advice, but. When I got ready to go to Vegas, because I started my college career in Las Vegas at University of, well, UNLV, I forgot what is it, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I had a Mm -hmm. brain for it. But my mother was like, you can always come back home. And when I decided I wanted to go to New York, I had only been to New York one time. I went there in the middle of a snowstorm and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to New York. I was like, I'm just going to transfer schools. I didn't even know much about transferring. I just was like, that's what I'm going to do. And the advice my mother gave me was, you can always come home. Some people don't necessarily agree with that advice, but I think your dad was courageous and brave as well as you were to just go fly. Sometimes people don't follow their dreams because they're scared. So that says a lot about you as well as your dad being able, being willing to let you go fly. On that note, I want to ask you this, just kind of staying on the makeup school theme or makeup school situation. Would you suggest investing in makeup school? Okay, so kind of yes and no. So I would say if there's an individual out there that knows that all they ever want to be in is beauty, that is the industry that they want to just like carry out their livelihood in like that is the area of expertise that they know for certain that they want to be in I highly suggest going to a beauty school I sound like my mother and like actually getting your license because if you are a licensed cosmetologist you can transfer that into any state you can always work in a salon there's a sense of relatability that you'll have there's like an expansive network that you will automatically be a part of. I feel like talent-wise, on the flip side, as a makeup artist, if you want to expand the basics and go into effects and specialize in character makeup, do the prosthetics, do the bald caps, do, you know, maybe even lab work, like working in one of the, the effects shops, because that's a whole nother element to it. I would say go to makeup school, but they're too Although they are un- under the umbrella of beauty education, the direction in- that you can go into, either going to makeup school or going to beauty school, they're two separate things. Like 
I would highly suggest makeup school for effects and for all of those things. If you want to do weekend courses on like bridal or beauty and stuff, do that. But if there's an individual out there that just wants to do like beauty makeup and also might want to dabble in like skincare or is like intrigued by it, I would say highly recommend either getting investing more so in to getting your aesthetics license or cosmetology license. Yeah, if that makes sense. That's my two cents on it. Well, good advice. So at the beginning of our conversation, I mentioned how accomplished you were as a makeup artist and that you have earned several Emmy Awards for your work on the daytime. I I won one. I thought you had two Emmys. Oh, you've been nominated. Nominated. Okay. So I stand corrected. (laughs) So you have one Emmy and you've been nominated a couple of times. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those were all for the daytime TV show, The Talk, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So in addition to your Emmy, you have some pretty famous celebrity clients and you launch your own beauty line, which we'll talk about a little (laughs) later. Were those accomplishments or were those goals that you set out for yourself or did they just kind of unfold? Like some people are like, yeah, I'm going to launch my beauty line. I'm going to be an Emmy Award winner. I'm going to work with celebrities. Did you write out a list or did you set goals or it just kind of unfolded? It definitely unfolded. I could not have told you that all of these things were goals of mine. (laughs) You know, like when I had started 10 years ago here in LA, to be completely frank, there was one moment within the first year or two of me living here in LA. And I distinctively remember being on the phone with another artist who was a couple years ahead of me. And I told her, I don't want to work with actors. I don't want to work in TV. Like I would rather be in New York and foot in my mouth, like ended up in the celebrity circuit working in TV. So just to let you know, like, I just know, like, never a goal. It definitely, again, was something that just felt so far off. And I also never intended on building out an indie beauty line. That was something that I also kind of fell into as I was navigating my next steps, being a millennial makeup artist. But we can touch on that later. But yeah, it was... It just all, it really all unfolded. I think I remember when I was like 18 and I went to the makeup show with my mom in LA. It was the first, it was their first convention in LA. I think it was like 2007, 2008. And I was with my mom and I was sitting through all of the seminars with like all the local 706, like iconic artists. And I remember I looked at mom and I, my mom and I was just like, how funny would it be if I was to like, win an Academy Award one day. Like I said that like out loud. And it was one of those things where when I got my first nomination, I was so humbled by it. And I like didn't even know how to take it that like, I didn't even tell anyone. I told my closest friends, I was in my apartment with two of my closest friends. And my friend Josh looked at me and was like, Gabby, like, that's an Academy nomination. And when he said that I legit like I felt like my stomach was gonna like, come out of my throat. I was like, Oh my God. And I don't know why the thought of me and my mom being at the makeup show, like just all of a sudden, just like regurgitated. And I was like, it actually happened. What? Like, how does that, how is this even real? So yeah, just to say it was never a goal. It was, yeah, never. never. (laughs) What was your first job experience as a makeup artist? 
I was 17 and I got hired. The first paid thing I ever got was for a wedding in the Bay Area. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know you worked at Smashbox Cosmetics. Can you share a bit about how you landed that job and how that platform helped you with your career? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I was working in salon. My boss had just passed away. It was like a twilight premiere party that we were getting all of these editors and publicists ready to go to the twilight premiere at the salon. And I kind of zeroed in, like connected with one of the clients that was in the salon. She was asking me what had happened and why there was so many flowers on a station. And I was like, oh, because like the co-owner and my boss, like, literally just passed away earlier this week. And she was like, Oh, no. And I kind of started telling her the story. And I don't know what it was where I was just I felt compelled to ask her like, Hey, how can I get on set? Like, I don't want to be in salon. And she was like, Okay, I'll like give you a couple leads. And she gave me a lead to Lori Taylor at Matchbox. And she was like, she's the global like PR lead there, you should, you know, hit her up. I'm sure she could help you out. So I hit her up. But then I didn't hear back. And I then just did what everybody tells you to do. And I was like, I was shooting my shot. And I legit just emailed her every week and then called and left voicemails. And it was just like consistently like going after Lori. And she finally emailed me back and was just like, do you want to come into the studio? Like, let's meet face to face. So I did. And she was like, what's your story? Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to be a makeup artist. And I just want to work. And she was like, okay, any specifics? Like, and I was like, no, I was like, I just want to be a makeup artist and I want to be around it and I want to learn. I'm open. I'm open to anything that you have. And so that's how I started. She offered me a position to assist the assistants. So I was like the assistant's assistant. The assistant's (laughs) assistant. Okay. Yep. Basically like on this fashion show, it was at the W Hotel. It was like this charity fashion show. And I was on body and I just went around making sure that they all had everything that they needed for their stations, like making sure that their trash was like taken up, you know, did lotion on legs and on arms and on elbows before models walked on. But it was really just to kind of feel to feel it out. And she was like, yeah, I like to try people out and like feel them out if they vibe with everyone or not. And then after that, she invited me to come into the studio and kind of be this like intern And so I would intern at the studio and literally just clean out the closet, the PR gifting closet. And I was paid in product. So like when I would come in, she was, I remember she was like, you could pick five things for your kit. And I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. Like (laughs) I would go in and just, you know, build my kit by just like cleaning out their closet, unpacking boxes, doing shipments and stuff. And then from doing the shipments and being in the closet, And just at the studios, I was able to befriend like some of the people that worked in the grip room. And then a couple of my friends who was working the front desk at the studios and they're all photographers and Smashbox at that time, this is before they got purchased. They used to donate the studios for the grips and for all the photo assistants so that there would be a space for them to build their portfolios, which was so generous. And so we would stay after hours and like build our books and like use Smashbox Studios to like test and like create. And so that's how I got some of my first images. And then I started assisting Lori's assistant and then got trained how to be an assistant. And so then I was asked to, you know, assist different artists on, you know, various sets from advertising to editorial to beauty campaigns, then slowly found my way into working and assisting on 
the Smashbox campaigns, but then also simultaneously um, expanding upon their networks because then I was doing a lot of their events. And so then I'd meet other artists that would throw me jobs. And so it'd be like, it was like this cyclical thing that I just kind of got thrown into the circuit. And so then I started assisting for primarily advertising jobs and beauty. So like Target, Kohl's, you name it, in-store images, I started there. And then from there, it kind of went into just like high-end fashion editorials, like assisting different artists that would come in from New York and London. And I would start assisting big artists that way. And then I slowly but surely ended up assisting top tier celebrity artists like here in LA and ended up just kind of being on the radar of some of the upper echelon like agencies. And then from there, it was like, I found myself like in celebrity, actually really liking it and never thinking that I, that was the direction that I wanted to be in. And then just kind of ended up finding my client. And then she like really kind of took me in and invited me into the TV world. But Smashbox was such a pivotal platform for me because I was really able to grow. Yeah, I like really grew up there. So. so let me ask you this. What's the biggest lesson you can say that you learned from working with Lori? Oh my gosh, so many things. So what I learned the most from Lori Taylor Davis was just to be a good person, to just show up and do good work. You're there to be a hand to your talent and to support the art that you are creating with the team that you are involved with. And also the biggest thing was to be generous. Like she is so generous. And between the generosity and just being a kind and humble human and never wavering from those two things, like that's my biggest takeaway. And that's something that I've always kept with me. And then on an artistry end was don't ever rely on your product, rely on your artistry. And that was something that really carried me through TV. So yeah, that's actually some really good advice. Let me ask you, how important is mentorship to you? Because it seems like, yeah, like Lori was a great mentor for you. So how important is mentorship to you? Do you think everyone should have a mentor? Do you mentor people? Like, what are your thoughts on it? I think mentorship is like crucial, especially in this industry, like especially in entertainment. I don't think that I would be this far had I not had mentors to kind of guide me, whether it's from like understanding set etiquette on like an, on a very real level. Like I really, I I might like go off on a tangent, so I'm trying to like tighten oh, this fine. <laughs> Yeah, I I just, it was interesting for me because from my experience, I was 19 when I started. So being 19, like that's such a, like it's such a pivotal time in your life. Like I was always frustrated because I felt like, oh, like I'm not settled enough. I'm not older. Like I'm still trying to figure out life and I have to figure out what it means to be a makeup artist in this industry that like, I don't even know like left from right. And so like going into it, that was the only thing that carried me through was having mentors how important it is now in my life. I think stepping into the business standpoint, absolutely, like always looking for a mentor, always looking for advice, always looking for someone to kind of help guide. Because again, like I feel like the same way I did when I was 19, but I'm 29 now, like stepping into a different like business venture and that in and of itself like is humbling. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm starting all over again. But like, I'm looking for mentorship in that arena because it's like, I want to know how to like, successfully like posture my business so that I can kind of necessarily like 
fit the mold, but just kind of go into the direction successfully. Having mentorships, I think, postures you in a certain way for success. I'm not to say that you can't without a mentor, because I think you absolutely can. But I just always, I'm the type of person that like needed a little bit of reassurance and handholding and also feel like as an artist, like early on, my mentors threw me jobs. And because of my mentors trusting me with their clients and relaying that back to agencies or like relaying that back to any other publicists, like that was how I was able to like, you know, make a name for myself because I didn't build a career off of social media. Like it was literally all word of mouth and networking. And so, yeah, that's a different game altogether. We'll jump into that. As a creative, the career path is very different than a traditional nine to five. What advice would you offer someone that's looking for a mentor in a creative field? Because, you know, like in the business world, it's, I feel like it's pretty easy to find a mentor. But in the creative world, like being a makeup artist or a hairstylist, it's a bit difficult because like you said, with Lori and some of the other people that you've worked with, they trusted you with their clients. And you were able to pick up where they left off. But how would you or what would you suggest someone who is 18, 19, who has dreams of becoming a makeup artist or a hairstylist? Like, how would you guide them in seeking mentorship? I would say be a sponge, like really, really soak up all the information and take what you like you know, from each person, take something, take a piece of advice that's different that might challenge you and really kind of humble yourself in the process and just be open to learn. The biggest thing is that going into it being mentored, I think I was very receptive towards mentorship because I I was okay saying I didn't know everything and I was okay asking for help. So I would say first, like if there is somebody that wants to make it, but also kind of wants mentorship, but has a hard time taking advice, I would say just like know that the person that is choosing take you on as a mentee, like (laughs) you are going, they want to teach you or help you or help develop you in some sort of way. So like, allow them in. And also, I think it's great. It's great just to kind of help sharpen your artistry too, because like, when you're on set, like big sets, you get to see the rhythm. You get to see the how how those artists respond to pressure, like what their lifestyle looks like. I had one mentor who he inspired a lifestyle because of the sobriety that he had. And I was on the fence and I had met him at this pivotal time in my like in my twenties. And I started working with him then when he was open about it and shared that, like he really helped steer me into understanding, like, oh, like I can be sober and work in this industry and not feel like I'm going to be left out. Oh, and he's like really successful and succeeding in his career. He has longevity. I mean, you could take away like more than just career. Like you can also take like life advice from your mentors, which is something that's so invaluable. Like it's so, I don't don't know, like it's, it's so important. So I like it. Well, hopefully (laughs) if you have a mentor, you're getting both personal and professional advice. Let me ask you, so what strategic advice would you offer someone now who is looking to break in the beauty industry? And I know you've had a bunch of odd jobs and I believe I read someplace that you said that you never declined any work when you were getting started. So what would you advise someone now who's looking for that big break? I would say the best piece of advice 
that I would give to somebody would be the advice that I got when I was first starting off of your first five years are your hardest. So you use that as a barometer to kind of check in with yourself and just give yourself time. This industry, like it's not so consistent. And also like identify what your big break is. Like for me, in retrospect, my biggest goal more so than anything was I want to be able to build a life. And I didn't know how to articulate that when I had first moved to LA, but all I ever wanted was to like make LA home. And the moment that I finally got that was when I felt like I made it, like was when I was like living on my own and I was like actually building my life and I wasn't just working anymore. Like I was actually able to take time out to enjoy myself, to enjoy my friends, to travel, like to do the life things that I wanted. Like that meant more to me than any celebrity or any job. I was like, I just want to be able to have time in a life. And so that was my big break. And so it's different to each individual. And I would hope that everyone would be able to identify that so that they can kind of work towards those goals. You brought up something interesting. Do you subscribe to the theory of life work balance? Or do you believe it's impossible? I don't know if I believe in balance. (laughs) I think that there's time where that's possible. I feel like balance is also kind of broken off from like perfectionism too. Like I feel like if you are able to balance everything, you have everything perfect, but life is like really messy. And I think that especially freelancing and working for yourself, there's times that you're going to like go hard. You're going to work for like two to three weeks, like maybe straight. And then guess what? You're going to have like two to three weeks off, you know, like you're going to working in entertainment, like working for yourself, there isn't really that structured nine to five rhythm. You can create it for yourself and try to make that balance, that life work balance. But but I think it's important. It's a great concept to strive for. But I think realistically that it comes down to prioritizing. I think it really comes down to like what each individual wants for their life and for their career. And if there is a life-work balance that works for them, then great, go for it. But it's that quote unquote, like life-work balance, I feel like is also really, I don't know, just, I don't even know how to articulate it. Like, it's just, it's something that I feel like there's a perception about, but it can't be that for everyone. It's, does that make you sense? Know, no, like, it does, because it's a difficult thing. I think For some people, they believe in it. Some people, they don't. Some people think it's possible. Some people think it's not. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure because I've subscribed to the theory that you should probably pick a job that you love to do because I think now more so than anything, you can't just shut off. No. And for many years, that's what I would do. I was like, okay, wait, it's five o'clock. And then as I start to progress in my career, I was like, yeah, I don't work after 4.30 and no matter what. And I mean, I remember I made that decision when I was working at Sony Pictures. I was like, it's dark outside. Why am I still at this desk? But then that's when I start to understand that for me personally, I'm not probably the best person to have a desk job because I like to talk. I need to be out in the fresh air. It needs to be a challenge every day. So I believe that work-life balance is possible depending on who you are. But for me, I don't want to have it that way. I want to do something that I love that does not remind me that it's work. So yeah, I think like also for me, like work-life balance for me looks like 
I want to be able to like do the things I love or do the things that give me fulfillment. So as long as I'm feeling fulfilled, I feel balanced. I think that there shouldn't like exactly what you're saying. There shouldn't be a disconnect in what you do to like what makes you feel kind of whole. I mean, given circumstantially, like for some individuals, that's not the case. But like, I believe that you should find fulfillment in everything that you do, especially if your career is the thing that you're spending the most time in. You would hope that the field that you're in gives you like a sense of purpose and life fulfillment that doesn't make you feel like you're off kilter. You know, managing time is a different thing. Like what you're saying with like, I don't work past 430. Like I want to be able to enjoy a little bit of the day, like not only leave the office when it's like nighttime, but yeah, I'm all for fulfillment. Like for me, work-life balance for me looks like just being able to do things that I love, like traveling. So as long as I can travel one to two times a year and like go somewhere new or just have a moment to just be with family and to breathe a second, like not work and just to kind of be very, very present. That's all that matters to me. What's a typical day for you at the talk? Is it a seven hour day, a four hour day? I know sometimes you may film two shows in a day, but is it like a full work day? Like what time do you typically come in? What time do you leave? The talk was such a gem, which is the reason why I was able to build out the indie beauty brand. I would go in like we had an 8 a.m. call time and then we would wrap latest at like 2.30. Oh my God, that's the perfect day. Yeah. And so it was just, it gave me a lot of time, which I was so grateful for and I definitely needed it. It actually showed me what balance looked like, you know, to go to that quote unquote, like work life balance. Like it actually, it gave me a little bit of structure, but a lot of freedom all at the same time. And so, yeah, I really wanted to do something productive with it. And since I was in TV and I couldn't really freelance and say yes to the jobs that shot during the week, I, you know, explored what it meant to be a millennial makeup artist and (laughs) to kind of understand what I wanted to do. So I tried the whole blogging. I tried YouTubing. Like I did like one video. I did a couple blogs, one by myself and then one with a friend. And then from there, I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I'm working myself into the ground and I didn't feel good about it. And so then I chose to just kind of focus on me and doing the things that would give me fulfillment. And so then I just started you know, taking time out for myself and to get clear. And then, yeah, suit my indie beauty brand started because of the failed attempts on doing anything on the social media and really wanting to integrate something that can tie in my artistry with a little bit of like a digital platform, but like not solely relying on it. Was that like a dream that you were like, okay, I'm gonna start my own line? Like what triggered it? Because sometimes people start things out of necessity maybe you're a makeup artist and you want a certain shade and you're not able to find it. So you're like, oh, I'm going to create my own. Was it a situation where you were just like out of necessity or was it a dream of yours? Definitely not a dream. It was more of an idea that just like would float in the back of my head occasionally and a little bit of necessity just on like a personal standpoint. So I what this was like 2013 with like the upward swing like or not even the upward swing just like the budding of the green beauty brands and like clean beauty like chemical free just natural ingredients and so 
I was frustrated because I was tired of seeing models on set, like when we'd work like 12 hour days and, you know, models or talent having like ridiculously chapped lips, like putting on everything on it. And it still was like chapped. And I was like, why can't we find a lip balm that actually will soothe, you know, all day or like see like progression in like somebody's lips changing. And then I was at home one day and I was looking for a lip balm and I was trying lip balms on and I thought all of them were nasty. I was like, these are gross. And I was leaving the house with a friend. I was like, I can't find a lip balm that I like. And we got into my car and I put one lip balm on and I was like, oh, I was like, even this, like, I don't like the way it tastes. I don't know, whatever. So I looked at my friend and I was like, what if I was to like make lip balms for myself, all natural, and then maybe put it in my kit? And she was like, you should. And so I was bored one afternoon and I went to the container store and I YouTubed how to make your own lip balm. And I started like concocting like different like lip balms. And then I started pouring them and like refrigerating them. And, you know, I would put them in my kit. And then that's when I started, you know, working with a couple of my celebrity clients. And I was like, I think I'm going to start a lip balm line. And I was like, how do you like these? And I would like have them sample it. It was like, cute little mixtures of flavors and they're like, oh, I like it. And then shelf that. And then it wasn't until after I traveled that and after I failed blogging, like it was just <laughs> all, yeah, like I failed before I even started. Like I only gave my, it was just bad. And so I like went on this like trip to Europe and I really just kind of cleared my head. And I was just kind of like, maybe I should come back and like try to do the lip balm thing again. And so I did and I was working with green beauty lines and no one foundation was the same batch every single time I would purchase a new bottle. Nothing was matching my client Sarah like on every day. Like I would have to literally cocktail all these different colors and pigments to like match her or to make her blush the color that she wanted. Like I was doing custom formulations and she one day she was moving out of one house into another and she was like, Hey, like, do you recommend a foundation? I know you mix every day. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I could just bottle my mixture for you and just give it to you, like out of like what I do. And I, I don't know what it was of like telling her like, oh, I could bottle it for you. Something clicked in my brain. And I was like, what if I was to like create a line that coincided with a blog? Maybe, maybe, you know, and I was like, but maybe not even a blog, just like a line. And so then from that moment on, I just kind of started looking into it. And then to go on to touch a little bit of the necessity end, like it was wanting to create options for people who didn't understand green beauty and who didn't really mind it, but also like not wanting to draw a hard line between conventional and green. Like the thing about green beauty is that it expires very quickly. So it's lower quantity, higher quality, but no preservatives, which means everything expires. At one point, I was like refrigerating some foundations just so it wouldn't get the like chalky old crayon smell because of how fast it would turn. And especially like against hot lights on your makeup station, I have a setup and I had lipsticks in a jar. There was like one day I like went through my lipsticks and one of the green beauty lipsticks literally had mold on it and it freaked me out. I threw everything away. And I was like, this is because there's no preservatives in it. And I was like, people need to like understand like, yes, there are some lines that have a lot of chemicals. Yes, there are some lines that are super green, but like, like, let's understand why there are some preservatives in it, you know? And so that's why the brand kind of started. I wanted to kind of like bridge a gap, but also like brand wise, 
and just never feeling like I fit in. I wanted to create a community for for everyone to kind of be able to just have a voice and be seen primarily for like Asian American or like the Filipino American community because I am that and I've never felt like I had anything identifying for me or my friends or the girls of the in-between. And so that's kind of where the branding tied in, but don't want to go too all far off the question. Oh, okay. If that kind of answers everything for you, yeah. Where did the name Soup Beauty come from? So Soup Beauty came along because it was named something differently when I had originally filed for the business. It was under a completely different name. And I was so annoyed by the name, only had working on it for less than a year. And when people would ask me what the name of my brand was, I would tell them like sheepishly and kind of embarrassed. And I was like, oh girl, that is not like the way you should be responding to people when they ask what the name of your brand is. And simultaneously, as I was working on the business, I actually was getting sober. And it was within my first like three months of my sobriety. And I kind of like had it with the name. And in a meeting, like in an AA meeting, somebody had said, like, the whole purpose of why we're here is to serve one another. And I was like, that's totally stuck to me. And that was the reason why I even founded. That was the reason why I founded the brand was to like help serve my clients and help serve other artists. And I wanted to serve the beauty community. So like service was like a core, the core root of the foundation of the brand. And so or the brand identity. And so I Googled the word serve or service and suit came down way low, low on the Google dictionary search with the definition of to be acceptable for or convenient to. So I was like, oh, like, so like what suits you? Like, because beauty is suit for all, like beauty is what suits each individual. And so I was like, oh my God, I think this is it. And I helped, that's how suit really kind of came in because it was more of like, what suits you? Beauty is suit for all. Yeah, so something that like I, it, it just like really stuck to me and so suits beauty for now (laughs) so you have accomplished a lot and now you're tackling this thing called entrepreneurship what has been your greatest challenge marketing your brand and marketing your services in general as a celebrity makeup artist the biggest challenge i think for sure has always been for me like as working in the celebrity circuit and in entertainment has always been my social media game, like I never played that game or found interest in doing so because it completely scared me. I started my career in 2010 at the launch of Instagram. And so I, you know, being a millennial was on Instagram when it started. And I remember I was starting to post stuff about makeup. But that wasn't really when the industry was catching on to Instagram and social media. And so there was one big set that I got left on. It was one of my first jobs and really green, stupid mistake on my end. I had posted something like via Twitter that linked to Facebook. I think the integration between Twitter and Facebook had just started. I did not know how to work the integration. And I would just hashtag because I saw other people hashtagging, but I didn't understand what hashtags actually did. And so I hashtagged the magazine that of course got back to the publication. Publication 
office in like New York and Chicago called LA, got yelled at by a publicist. It served to me on set about my social media share, just saying that I was there and I like posted a picture. And so I got real, I, the reprimand was so scary for using social media that it like actually hindered me using it ever. And so I stopped right as it began. And so I think that that had always been my biggest challenge is like kind of getting the swing of it. And like now like trying to understand how to tell my story via social media, since it is such a big part of being a millennial artist. And that is the way that you kind of showcase your work, stepping into that, wanting to be a millennial artist, but also not be like only isolated to digital platforms that on an artist end, on an entrepreneurial end, I think the biggest challenge right now is trademarking and understanding like my branding for the brand and knowing exactly like where I want to go with it. Like the response that I got within the first like six months to the year was so great. But also it was all self-funded because I wanted to bring the proof of concept to life without taking any investment. So I invested all of my money. And so like going into it and then realizing like coming to the end of the first debut year and then entering this one between the legal and then now understanding how to raise capital or potentially going to investors, like just really getting clearer on the branding and how much bigger it actually can be. Like that is my biggest challenge right now. It's like coming to terms with that, but I'm really excited, but that's also a huge reason of why I'm moving to New York. So any advice for someone who dreams of creating their own beauty brand? Are there any personal or professional struggles you encountered along the way? Like you mentioned, clearly running, well, not running out of money, but using your own money as opposed to getting funding. But is there anything that you can share, like any insight on how to overcome things? Yeah, I highly recommend working with, because everybody steps into business to obviously like make money, right? It's not going to be a hobby. Like you want to be able to build a life on whatever it is that you're doing. Going back to what we had spoken about with mentors, like if anyone is going to find a mentor when they're starting a business, I would say like definitely have somebody with sound financial advice and also work with an accountant or like a financial advisor, be your freaking uncle, someone that's like just really good with numbers that could help you kind of posture your like, startup PL sheets like and to understand like what is worth investing in and like you need to have some type of return like granted there are some things that you're just going to be like pumping money into but like everything that you do like you want to be able to like you know make money off of it and like also working with people who are okay telling you no because it's so exciting starting a business and you just want to like go hard and like do all of the fun branding things make t-shirts and hats and blah, 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 like all of these things. But it's like, no, no, like, slow down on the brand awareness, and you need people to tell you no. And so just surrounding yourself with business mentors who can give you like really sound advice and somebody who can maybe even help guide your numbers as you're starting off, if that in any way makes sense. Before we wrap up, I wanted to jump back really quick. And I'm sorry, I have so many questions, but I know your journey can inspire other people because you've done it all and you're accomplished and 
that's why I wanted to speak with you. So thank you for taking the time to talk of with course, me. But I wanted to jump back into the TV and film situation. So working on a talk show, most people don't understand about the union. Yeah. And if you can just briefly talk about how to get in the union and maybe offer some advice for somebody who's looking to pursue a career in TV and film. The first thing that I will say is that if you are a hairstylist, like a licensed cosmetologist, it is completely like worth it because I feel like hairstylists always work in the union. They're always looking for hairstylists. And I don't know why that I don't see like a lack thereof in jobs for hairstylists because I don't think there are as many. There are a lot of makeup artists in the union right now. So it is kind of harder to break in. Like I've definitely had a harder time kind of breaking into the circuit. But if it is what you want, go for it. I think it's a beautiful community. It's really special to be a part of Local 706. And the mentorship that they're now offering, this is something that had just started like this last year of like young professional like mentorship. Um, being able to seek advice by some of the top artists in TV and film. That in and of itself is worth it. But I would say just call the union, make sure that you're getting your hours, stay up to date, find knowledge and like everything that you need to get done and like do it. You are working for yourself. And I think the biggest thing that I see a lot of artists and creatives get frustrated with is like, like oh, they're not doing this for me, but it's kind of like, no, no, like, You kind of have to be responsible for yourself and like follow up and take time out to like really understand their structure and like really play by their rules. So I think if you are on top of getting your hours and turning it in on time, like you won't have a hard time. I'm just always kind of checking in. I'm that's like on a practical sense, but it was different for me because I got grandfathered in, which I got like star requested. So it was through working in celebrity and like working with my celebrity client that got me into the tv show because she was able to request me so that's the way that I got in oh that's perfect and for our listeners that are aspiring makeup artists that aren't in the industry the quickest way to get in a union is definitely a star request a star celebrity or the main principal on a tv show or film requests you And they have enough clout to make it happen. And then you're pretty much put in the union. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, I just wanted to add that because I know sometimes people are like, wait, what is this union? How do you get in? How does it work? So I encourage you guys to do your homework. Possibly maybe I'll ask some information about the union since I'm asked a lot about it. But hopefully the information that Gabby shared will help some of you. Last couple of questions, and these are super important questions. What inspires you? What inspires me? For makeup or just in general? Just in general. This is life. If you want, you can answer professionally or personally. I'll do a little bit of both. I think the biggest thing that I find inspiration from is like life in and of itself, like the moments that I get to travel. Like traveling is very inspirational to me. I think there's something about like getting out of your own element and being in a different culture, being in a different environment, seeing the way that colors are postured beside each other in a different way, listening to the music that they, you know, listen to 
seeing like I love people watching and I'm completely inspired by like women just in the way that they like to celebrate themselves. So being able to go to a different city, a different country and seeing the way that the women kind of and the men, like seeing the way that the both the way that they kind of posture themselves, what's different, what's kind of similar to here in the States and and then on a kind of on an artistic and like what would inspire me is like art. I love photography. So going to like photo exhibitions, like going to museums, I don't go enough. But yeah, just art like really does inspire art and music. Definitely. Okay. And what would people be surprised to know about you? I don't know. <laughs> That's a hard one. I don't like in the con like of in work and in life. Like I don't just know. in general. I- um, okay, I'll give you some examples. I interviewed okay. a NASCAR driver and he told uh-huh. me people would be surprised to know that he was a germaphobic. He was a germaphobic? Yes. Okay. And he washed uh, his hands, I think he said like 50 times a day. Oh, that's funny. I didn't leave the country till I was 25. Okay. Because I feel like people, I feel like my friends are like, oh my God, you're traveling all the time. But I was like, I didn't leave the country till I was 25. Like, <laughs> And where'd you go? I went to Europe. Yeah, I like what part? I went to London first. I went to London, then I went to Berlin, and then I went to Vienna to see my family um, because I have cousins out there. And then I went to Budapest. But yeah, I hit those four years. That's on my list. And just we're so much alike because uh my first passport stamp was London. When I got to London, I took the train to Paris. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I still have to do that. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't grow up traveling, which surpri- actually surprised a lot of people. Like, what? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, and I've never been to Mexico. California girl, all of my life. Like, yeah, that's a to tough Mexico. one to swallow. That's like a guy <laughs> I once met that was like, he's never been to Las Vegas. And I was like, but you can drive. I, I was like, how, how have you never been to Las Vegas from Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. We have to get you to Mexico. (laughs) I haven't done the Caribbean that much. I've been to Puerto Rico like 10 times, Uh but I've never been to Jamaica, all the other Caribbean islands. Well, I've been to Trinidad, but that's about it. But the ironic thing is I've been to, I believe like 50 countries. Like I've been all over the world. I just never go to the Caribbean, which is weird, but I can't say that I've not been to Mexico. I've only been to Hawaii one time, so if that makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. The Mexico one, just because it's, like, connected to California, like, it's not that hard. Like, you could, and then my parents live in San Diego now, like. Oh, yeah, you, you have no to, excuse. Like, yeah, I have no excuse, like, Rosarito, Tijuana, like, none of it. Never. Never cross the border. Okay. Crazy. Well, Gabby, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate speaking with you. If you want to tell people where they can find you on Instagram, Twitter, the beauty line, all that good stuff, please shout it out. And I will make sure to post the links as well. But Gabby, let the folks know where they can find all your information. You can find me on Instagram. It's like my main thing. It's at Gabby, G-A-B-B-I, Pasqua. And then from there, you can find like links to my beauty brand suit, Beauty and all the other fun things, kind of more of a tell-all on Instagram now. And thanks for having me. I'm like, really, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for wanting me to share my story with you. Thank you. Of course.
Thanks so much for listening to the Sincerely Her podcast. Remember, be you, trust yourself, be happy, travel, be authentic, have confidence, and never give up.